Welcome to the Adventure Mechanics. I'm Devin. And I'm Chandler. And today we're talking about the best video game ever and why it is The Elder Scrolls Three Morrowind. <laughs> I, uh, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I am speaking for myself. Um, <laughs> okay, granted. Um, yeah. <laughs> I am in control of the podcast now. It is mine. We are talking about my favorite game which celebrated its 20th anniversary. Oh, that makes me feel even older. <laughs> I, I said that and I went, that can't be right. And then I thought about it and I went, no, that, that's exactly right. Yep. Rele- released May <laughs> 2002. Yep, and on Xbox in June 2002. And I happened to play it on Xbox, not on computer, which probably turned out to be the correct choice, all things considered. <laughs> I mean, I, I'll have some thoughts about that, especially oh, when yeah. we start talking about impressions and mods. Yes. But. Oh, yes. Well, I'm putting the cart before the horse. But yes, we are We are here talking about the open-world action role-playing game by Bethesda Game Studios of Elder Scrolls fame. Yes, uh, which indeed, this is part one of three parts. So I hope you like Morrowind, because we're going to be talking about it a lot. There's a lot to talk about. Especially when it's one of our favorite games. Indeed, indeed, where I can find like basically everything and anything to talk about with this game. It's wonderful. But yes, by Bethesda Game Studios, published by Bethesda Softworks. And as we mentioned, it came out for PC May 2002 and for original Xbox in June of 2002. The game itself is set on the island of Vardenfell in the Dunmer or Dark Elf homeland of Morrowind. There are two expansions to the story, like two totally separate adventures from the main storyline. That is Tribunal, takes place in the capital city of Morrowind, Morthold. Uh, And that came out, I think, fall 2002, if I remember right. And then the Blood Moon expansion, which takes place on the island of Solstheim, which if you have played Skyrim and its uh, DLCs, you will recognize that. Of course, if you've played Morrowind and you've played Blood Moon, then yes, of course you know that it's in Solstheim. But if you haven't, yeah, that's it's in there. And that came out sp- winter 2003? I want to say February. Uh, for the second expansion, Blood Moon? Yeah, Blood yeah. Moon, I think was, yeah. You- Dead Nuts, February 2003. Oh, nice. Huzzah! And then later in 2003, I I think fall, the Game of the Year edition with both of the expansions and the other little add-ons and fixes that uh, Bethesda had done um, was packaged together. You Uh, are three for three on that one. Released October 31st. (laughs) Oh, nice. (laughs) It's, uh, you know, it's a thing. Um, I... (laughs) And I played the Game of the Year edition on original Xbox, which was the thing. <laughs> I I remember shopping with Mom at Target, and we just like were walking by the video game aisle, which, you know, there there were usually some like interesting things there, because it the, the video game landscape was very different, you know, mm-hmm. back in. 2002 and i remember walking by and i saw the xbox logo and the cover stood out to me just the morrowind you know the cover of morrowind just like was there and i was like (laughs) yeah the brown with like the dragon thing and the the tribunal thing in the background which i didn't know at the time i was just like whoa that's really weird and it's like really like there was just something very evocative about it in the way that the like the text was with like kind of the sketchy 
almost like it was uh, like drafted. The title like was drawn in drafting. It was just really interesting. And I picked it up and I looked at the back and it's like, ah, it's a fantasy role playing game. And da da da. And it just like, I remember I had like a little tiny picture of Sedanine, which is the the first the town you go to when you play the game and i was just like this sounds interesting hey they want 25 bucks for it hey mom can i get this and she's like do you have 25 bucks and i'm like sure i do and so <laughs> i bought it and i i myself didn't have the xbox but my brother did so i played it on my brother's xbox and boy howdy <laughs> best yeah. purchasing decision of my young life <laughs> it's it's funny you remember that much of it i don't even remember like i must have gotten it um similarly at target but uh yeah no real yeah. memory of it i'm sure 2002 so yeah yeah i don't really remember a whole lot of talk about it like we were friends mm-hmm. in high school but i don't remember aside from like you getting huge into it and then our group of friends getting huge into it i i guess i just got it from that cuz in high I, school i was huge yeah. into like unreal tournament and that's nothing like morrowind <laughs> no absolutely very different very different yeah it was something that like it was it was a very long time before i even met other people who had played and remembered morrowind i mean like granted i'm kind of an outlier i'm super into it um but like other than like you and a couple of other others of our friends like you know i didn't know anyone for a long time who even knew what it was i had to like go on to like ye oldie forums to find people who liked the game and was interested in it as much as i was and i probably remember this just because it is like it was such a big important thing for me like at that time and then like as a creative it's like had a lot of influence on me uh so yeah probably why i remember it so much but yes, back to the history of the game. It actually, at launch and then following up, it sold incredibly well. It was very well received. In fact, I, I got this little fact from the from the Wikipedia article. It says, quote, Morrowind was the best-selling RPG for Xbox in 2002. It was one of the top 10 best-selling games on Xbox from May through October 2003, a full year after its initial launch. And the only other game to accomplish this was Halo. Wow. Which is, I thought, wow, wow, like numbers wise, that's like really impressive, actually. So you're telling me Morrowind was, oh God, I'm going to use a really stupid analogy, but the Uh Final Fantasy of Xbox. I guess, I I guess you could say that. (laughs) Oh, I hate myself for saying Uh, that, but. Oh boy. Um. It was the standout RPG for the Xbox. Yeah, it was the standout <laughs> RPG, um, and this was the first RPG that uh, was on con- by Bethesda Studios that was on console. They developed before exclusively for PC, uh, and this was their first foray on console. So uh, it was. It, I guess that that that's really good. It turned out, and I guess it turned out well because we know that Oblivion was a thing and that Skyrim was a thing. So <laughs> huzzah. Critics generally uh, received the game well. They applauded the scope of the game and the depth of the story and the lore and the interactions you could have in the game, its style, and the freedom to play basically however you wanted to play the game. You want to ignore the main quest? Fine, you can ignore the main quest. You want to kill a quest-giving character? Sure. Okay. You could do that if you want to. Do you want to kill God? I guess you could do that. Um, which God do you want to kill? <laughs> which God do you want to kill? Uh, you have an option. There's only one option not available to to you, and that's because someone beat you to it. Oh. Uh, hashtag spoilers. Um, so, 
but some of the detractions that that critics had and other you know just generally people who played the game was uh at launch it was incredibly buggy it had some issues for pc the system requirements were kind of wild they were madness people's machines melted trying to play this game which is kind of funny now with modern machines where it's just like you turn it on and boom you're there in the game no problem though it is sometimes buggy and still sometimes crashes but (laughs) it's not melting machines anymore is the point i'm making yeah i I do remember it having a rather steep um system requirements which was crazy because like yeah again my touch point is on real tournament and that was what i was playing so my machines could run it but it was still really high like absurdly high yeah yeah absurdly high my computer at the time that it came out would not have been able to run it, which is kind of weird to think about because um, if we hadn't had the Xbox, I would not have experienced this game at that time. And it's, it's just weird to me to think that's like, oh, well, just just lucky that my brother was a power gamer, uh, <laughs> a, you know, a, a young power gamer uh, and was like really into video gaming. So we had the Xbox. Let's see. Other other detractions. Combat. Not great. Kind of weird. Doesn't feel great. And that's true. And also the journal was an absolute mess and terrible to use. And I believe they tried to fix some of that with Tribunal. Like they added it, but it just, it didn't, uh, it helped a little, but it, ooh, the journal system for tracking quests was, was not, not great. Um, Kind of terrible. It's it's funny you mentioned that because I never had an issue with it, but the way my brain works everything goes stream of consciousness into the journal and that's how stream of consciousness comes out <laughs> and it yeah. worked for me because it's like oh this was something that i did before this this and this so i have to look for those points before that but yeah it's um right. it kind of feels like using a um, notebook from like a class you took four years ago <laughs> yeah and you don't really remember what was in it but you still uh-huh. need to reference it. You're like, what? Why? Who is this? Yeah. Just a yeah. whole bunch of confusion. Yeah. When I first played it, I didn't have the worst time with the journal. Like, it definitely, like, for me, could have been better. But it wasn't the worst thing. But where I had problems was, like, just like you said, if you were, like, taking notes in your notebook and you're like, well, I know I wrote down the name of that person that I had to go talk to that other person in Aldrun and stuff. But who the hell was that who were they and you're like flipping through the notebook trying to figure out like when did i talk to them i totally thought i talked to them before i talked to this other person like i totally thought i got that quest after i finished this quest what's going on so you just had to like muck through it but you know yeah i mean i was in high school that's how i was like getting by in high school it's just like hmm i'm pretty sure i wrote that down well if i didn't remember it it can't be that important uh (laughs) too bad i guess (laughs) I think that also leads into like, hey, you want to ignore the main quest? Well, no, but I can't find what my next step was, so I <laughs> yeah. guess I'm ignoring it now. Oh, so, <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, I guess it wasn't that important. Not <laughs> saving the world, we'll have to wait. I, I got pillows to steal. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and ebony to chow down on. Um, <laughs> oh God, we will get there. Don't yes. worry. So the other interesting thing that happened with Morrowind's launch was the fact that Bethesda Game Studios included the construction set on the second disc uh, for PC. 
specifically. And this allowed people to create their own content for the game, e.g. mods. And so they provided like all of the meshes and the textures and the way to build things that you could then add to the game. Uh, and that was kind of a huge thing. Like not a lot of games, I think, at the time did that. And it was a lot for people just at home. You like the game, you want to like mod in an NPC, here you go. Here's your chance. Uh, you could do that. I mean, modding was still around at the time, yeah. but you're right. It wasn't nearly as mainstream. Like the only yeah. other touch point that I can really think of besides the one that I always use, apparently, Unreal Tournament, which included mm. the Unreal Tournament engine set with it. So you could quite yeah. literally just make your own game with it, which that's a topic for another conversation. But yeah. um, in RPG land, the only other one that I can think of is like maybe Neverwinter Nights. Yeah. It just wasn't common. Like, and I think like part of it too is like, if you were really into modding, like you kind of knew programming and there wasn't like, there wasn't really a, a lot of opportunities for like entry level, like, you know, here we're giving you the module thing. You just put it together and mm -hmm. you do the thing. Right. Yeah. It's a lot um, easier to use than trying to build a game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which exactly. is effectively what you have to do with like Unreal Tournament. Yeah. It's, um, it, it's a whole thing. And uh, yeah, this game is just bizarre in many ways uh and it is a, a miracle that it even happened uh and a lot of my uh information for this section and um and any quotes that i have are from polygon.com's article which was a big like 10 or 12 person interview with people who worked on morrowind and it's morrowind and oral history a lot of really in in interesting information there if you're interested in how this game was made and you know, what people did and how, how they worked on it and stuff. Read that. Very cool. Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, but well, a miracle, this game even happened. At the time, Bethesda Game Studios was very small. It was a small dev team. Uh, they weren't huge or wealthy or a video game juggernaut yet. Like, this was before any of that happened. There was a lot of crunch. Yes. Which maybe it's not surprising because it still happens today, but even at the start, Everybody was crunching, and uh, one programmer in the article even said that uh, he left because it was a death march, and he just didn't have that one in him anymore. So he left the project, uh, I think, halfway through. And there were a lot of people that worked on the game that didn't end up getting credited either. Mm -hmm. um, one of the people that I know through my tabletop connections actually spent some time as a sub project manager for it and he ended up getting like a like right before the end of the project and despite spending like i don't know a year or two on it he never ended up getting credited for it so you yeah. know poop happens but it's still yeah credit Ugh, sucks credit who works on your games is what i'm saying yes please credit them even though they may leave or come on late like just do that it's a thing absolutely so lots of crunch the office uh for the studio was in the basement of a warehouse which had its uh which was very intimate uh in the article people who were interviewed talked about how it was a really great experience in that way but also it was very intimate and also like there was a lot of condensation vents would rain condensation <laughs> and there were other things like structurally that were a little bit strange about it so you know God. weird environment to be crunching 100 hour weeks in it smells um, like a game jam yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they also felt like they were under the constant threat of the company being closed and everyone losing their jobs which you know wasn't good for morale at many points uh, there's a story in the article about how todd howard rallied everyone 
Um, and everyone credits him with being a pretty good leader in that to keep morale up and keep working on the game despite, you know, you know, layoffs that were happening and rumors that were going around and just generally not a great, not a great environment for people who are trying to passionately work on a work of art. Yeah. Um, not much yeah. has changed in that regard. Sadly. Nope. A lot. It's interesting reading it in the year of our Lord 2022. Cause it's like, wow, really not a lot has changed. Um, they also face challenges for developing for both PC and Xbox. Um, they'd never done console development before. So that was completely new. And Microsoft did give them uh, resources to help them, but I mean, they're just doing it basically from scratch. And they mm -hmm. also had no QA department, and the game was too big to test, even for Microsoft testing's department. <laughs> uh, for Microsoft's <laughs> testing department, they like looked at it when it was sent over and was like, "Oh God, we can't test this like we would a, a typical game. Like, what are we gonna do?" Pete Hines, the director of PR and marketing, called it uh, called the game "Unbridled Chaos." and said, how do you tell if Unbridled Chaos is working as intended? <laughs> and that, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so it <laughs> okay, so I do have some comments yeah. on that. Um, oh, I'd love to hear your comments on that. First of all, for those that don't know, my day job is QA. If it's too big to work on in terms of testing, you started testing too late. That being said, this is game design. Yes, you test too late in game design why they didn't break it down into systemic game design so making sure like their magic system worked or anything like that is beyond me but yeah it kind of shows that it wasn't fully tested <laughs> yeah it well it, it clearly i mean when you kind of look at it you go yeah i this doesn't look like it was fully tested they just did their best probably with what they had yeah. keep qa going from the beginning it'll squash all the or squash a good portion of the bugs before it gets to play testers yeah qa very important there's a quote from ken ralston who was the lead designer and he said we got through certification the first time we submitted the game that makes no sense if you're going to talk about miracles the things that have to have been divinely influenced there's no chance that a game of that scale that had that many moving parts should have passed cert the first time it went through and my <laughs> assumption is that microsoft said this is a product people are going to love even if it's broken <laughs> <laughs> i mean yes it, yes <laughs> i'm pretty sure that the person that was uh, going through the cert was like boot up oh no <laughs> yeah oh, oh no. god oh no Boy. there's so many things i i it's huge i have 10 hours at best to go through and certify this uh we're just gonna hit that big green check mark and call it a day yep <laughs> we're just gonna i did my best yeah gold star <laughs> i tried oh that's yep. that's terrifying <laughs> yep so that's a bit about the, uh, the the background, the history of the game, and some fun tidbits about game design back in the day. Yeah, it's a miracle we got this game, but I'm very glad. All the serendipity that goes into this being a thing, that I can talk about it here with you, Chandler, today. <laughs> yeah. So! Yeah, I think this is a case study of uh, any game getting released at all is a miracle. <laughs> it is true. It is true. I... 100% agree. Any any game that makes it is is a miracle and very special. Mm -hmm. um, making games are hard. Which also, you know, before moving on into the next section, it is worth saying that, you know, we've kind of alluded to this, but we're saying directly that making a video game is a huge collaborative effort. And 
that usually only a few people get their voices heard on it for whatever reason. And it's just worth remembering that I'm going to be pulling quotes from certain people because that's what I've got. But a lot of people worked really, really hard death march hours to make this game. And And it is wonderful and I love it. And I appreciate every single person that had a hand in making it. And we should remember that there are many people that we may not even know their names. Yeah, exactly. And if you look at the sheer amount of people hours that goes into a game of this scale, you realize that it's going to take a lot of hands to get it done this millennium. Yeah. (laughs) Like, a lot. So. Yeah. So. So. I've talked a lot. Time for (laughs) you to talk, Chandler. (laughs) Oh, oh, it's my turn. Oh, yes. Because I'm going to ask you your impressions of the game. Oh, it's it's a fever dream a uh yes <laughs> a very very passionate very infuriating fever dream you start off in the character creation screen which is typical for most rpgs right you, i mean you start off in a boat before you even get there well yeah that's more going <laughs> that, into the story but <laughs> that's true yes that's for part two that'd be slap on the wrist i was told not to talk about story damn it but, um, I know, I did, I told you. <laughs> I done told you. Um, yeah, so you, you start off with character creation, and you don't really understand the full implications of every decision you're making there, up to and including the name of the class of uh, your character, which, if you've played any uh, other Bethesda game, you can rename yourself, and some of the things that you can rename yourself are f- fucking hilarious. Uh, my personal favorite is Asshole. That's because every time I get caught pitpocketing in the game, people will call you by your character class. So, you know, nice try, asshole, is just, hmm, chef's kiss perfect. (laughs) But yeah, it's, as uh, you've mentioned, Devin, the the combat in this game is really uh, hard to get used to. Yeah. Starting off, if, well, let me back up. If you've, played Dungeons and Dragons or any tabletop role-playing game, you'll understand the mechanics. Roll dice, chance to hit versus the other character's resistance to getting hit, right? That's what it boils down to. Yep. Problem is, game doesn't show it. So, like, you are playing and you're like, I'm swinging my sword and nothing is happening. The thing is attacking me and hitting me all this time and I'm doing fuck all it's like the crosshairs are on this person's face like you know i've I've even moved it to their chest to try and get a better hit i just can't hit them and nothing's happening and if you're starting off you're like oh okay well i'm gonna be x y and z and maybe i forgot to include a weapon in my build Uh yeah so you're sitting there with really low combat stats and combat in this game is not forgiving if you are like fighting in the game with anything less than like a 35 to start with and i mean like that's the bare minimum you're better off just running away like there's no reason to even attempt to fight even like the crabs in this game which are (laughs) the mud crabs they're like pretty (laughs) like desk size rocks and they will kill you. Early in the game, you are so squishy, it's hilarious. 
Like just yes, just bad. it's like a true level one character where it's like, ah, yes, I'm gonna go out into the countryside and adventure, and then you're just immediately killed. Yep. Yeah, slaughterfish are awful for that. It's like I'm just gonna like go in the water here and go over to that little island that's like not you know like four meters away and thirty slaughterfish come in and just maul you (laughs) to death before you absolute absolute death. It's also worth uh, noting as well that in this game it is it is unlike Oblivion and Skyrim where you can just level up skills and whatever skills you level up go to your level to leveling. Morrowind doesn't do that. You have select skills that you choose like your major skills and your minor skills, and anything that is not in your major or minor skills, you can level up, but it doesn't go to your actual like character level. So if you're like, ah, yes, I'm going to be a marksman, and you don't put like short blade or long blade in there, uh, but you end up using a short blade or a long blade, well, that's just sad for you. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to level up very much, but you will be a badass level one character. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Which is kind of the way I started playing this. It's like, oh man, as you level up in the game, the game starts ramping up the difficulty. You'll see harder enemies more frequently on the path and whatnot. And me being in high school is like, oh, so you're telling me if I don't level up, the difficulty will stay flat. And that uh, birthed the invention of the ultimately useless build of a character that had all the skills that I would never use in the game and all the skills that I constantly use as miscellaneous ones. Very funny. Don't recommend playing it that way, but very funny to play that way because everything is really flat and the difficulty curve doesn't ramp up that way. <laughs> that That's not my experience of Morrowind. Like, the, it just different monsters have different difficulties attached to them and you just have to find the ones that are rough i mean uh yes I, I it doesn't have like a leveling system like oblivion does where like you know the leveling kind of rubber bands on you as you level up morwen doesn't do that morwen has that same system but it's not oblivion level like cranking it up to 11 style huh this is where oblivion's rubber banding came in or at least where it started. They didn't push it as hard as they did in Oblivion. So, like, huh. you can see, like, as a level one, if you run around and see the world as a level one and then go through again as a higher level, you'll see different monsters then. But they didn't crank it up as much. So huh. it's more gradual. You don't have to have the optimal leveling path where everything you level up this round has to at least hit, like, 20 or five points in the stat you stats you want to level up. There's optimization paths for hmm. it, and it's absolutely madness. That's what I'm getting at. That's interesting. I have never that, that's never been my impression of it when I've played it. It's always been like, oh well, th- these things are placed here on purpose. And if you're going into places, I know like some places will spawn in higher level, like some dungeons spawn in higher level character, uh, like beasts. Like I know the um, the uh, oh, what are they called? The ancestral tombs do hmm. that. That, you know, they'll spawn in more if you're a higher level. So, like, some of the early level ones, if you don't go there, then, like, you'll go in and have a harder time. Uh, and I know that at a certain point in the story, they start spawning um, some of the sixth house enemies in the world. But I didn't realize that there was, like, that kind of system. Like, more like, not exactly like Oblivion did it. but Because I'd always been like, oh, well, this was this is just here. <laughs> and it doesn't matter what level I am. It's always going to be here. No, it's... Um, you know it's what I mean? dynamic. That's interesting. 
That's the other cool thing about this game is I learn things about it basically anytime I <laughs> go and investigate it or play it or whatever. There's always something new. Yeah, exactly. Kind of circling back, I realized I got on a huge tangent about uh, leveling, but mm. the combat system is a, a tabletop version of rolling dice and it's that le- that dicing mm-hmm. approach is absolutely horrific, especially when you're at the lower <laughs> levels because you can't hit the broad side of a barn with an arrow when your enemy's point blank in front of you and it is infuriating. And then as you level up, it's like, oh, well, now I'm hitting things regularly. Why isn't the beginning of the game like this? <laughs> and that's that's what makes it really hard to approach as a yeah, modern it gamer, is... as opposed to like yeah. ye old back in the day. Yeah, well, even, you know, even looking at it then, it's like, you know, some, some of this is like, you know, there hadn't been a lot of iteration on these systems and what like rpg systems mean in video games Mm. which is why you end up with well it's a ttrpg it's like dungeons and dragons you just roll dice and see if you hit as opposed to well you know you're going to hit no matter what just you know how much damage are you doing or or something like that and there's a lot of systems with this um there's no compass there's no quest markers which is now a huge staple of rpgs you know which i think is for the better though i I have opinions about it, but that doesn't matter right now because Morwood doesn't have that, Um, which makes it hard because it's cool because you have to rely on NPC directions, but it's also not cool because you have to rely on NPC directions. And if you've ever asked for directions from someone in real life and how varied that can be um, and how that kind of requires you to understand exactly what they mean and you might not actually understand what they mean when they're giving you directions, like, yeah, you get that in the video game. It is. Uh, you're like, I need you to go get this thing for me. <laughs> it is. It's like, I need you to go get this thing for me. Uh, you know, you just go down the road and then like, there's a little road off to the left and then you, you know, cross the stream uh, and, and then you'll be there. And it's like, cool. And then you try to find that. And you're just like, I'm fucking lost. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, well, it's to the southeast of town. And you're like, I've gone southeast. And Except in my case, because I'm directionally challenged sometimes, it's like, I went southeast, and then I look at the map and go, actually, I went southwest! <laughs> and now I'm in Sedanine again. How did I end up and here? And now where am I? I'm in the middle of nowhere. Like, how did I get to the Ashlands? What is happening? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, uh, one of the funny things about this game is how big it is, or how big it feels. Oh, God, yes. There's mods that you can download now that will get rid of the fog that the game started with because you know weak computer can't show all the pixels yep (laughs) and you realize once you do like once you take that fog away it's a really tiny world they just packed it densely it's so dense with with stuff and things at every corner which is amazing yeah it's absolutely lousy with interesting things cool cool fun things you can find things and then it even i've been playing this game for 20 years and there are still things that i find that i've never found before <laughs> in the game i think i've put maybe a couple hundred hours into it and i just for prepping for this uh podcast just now got up to the uh camp that you're supposed to do up at the top of the island most of the time i've been what? playing has been down by down near the starting area and kind of getting into the center but not much beyond that so you've never actually done the main quest before uh no no uh. ah! 
that's amazing. It's, I, I played this as a thief. The main quest is so good. I'm sad you haven't done it. But at the same time, I think that's really cool. And says something about the game. that It's a really funny thief you simulator. Just, really yes, funny yes. thief simulator. <laughs> yep, a very, very strange, uh, not Western high fantasy life sim. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too. That too. Yeah. It's, it's a really strange game. And... It is. It reminds me of like the 70s and 80s um, fantasy sci-fi movies that weren't big names. Like if you go back and watch like a one of those off-brand sci-fi or fantasy films from the, that era, and it just kind of feels weird and doesn't make any sense. <laughs> that's that's kind of how I feel about this entire game, and it is glorious. It is my 70s yeah. pulp. <laughs> how I play it, anyway. That's so that's so accurate. And um, in fact, Michael Kirkbride, a concept artist and writer for the game, said, quote, it went from the Dark Crystal and Star Wars to Dune. There's a lot of Dune influence, that kind of Baroque society, unquote. <laughs> I mean, yeah, now that you say it, it's hard not to see it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and apparently, um, let me see, I have another quote also from Michael Kirkbride. Uh Okay, here, quote, the game was originally set in Somerset Isles, and then we got bored and decided, man, this is really boring. How, how about we put it in a volcano with, like, giant bugs everywhere? And people were like, what? So Todd Howard, the easiest way to get anything past Todd at the time was you basically just had to say Star Wars, which was true for me and anybody then. So I was like, the game should be like the Dark Crystal meets Star Wars, and he was immediately hooked. I got all the bug creatures I ever needed. We moved it from the Somerset Isles to this weird dark elf place on the map, and we just went from there, unquote. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> hey, boss, I got this really weird idea. I don't know. Let me say Star Wars. You son of a bitch, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly It's like with lots of bugs. So many bugs. Um. It's for the better that they did that, too. This would yes. not have been nearly as interesting if this was for uh, lack of a better comparison like yeah. oblivion setting yeah it wouldn't have been nearly as compelling to me yeah because it's just the yeah weirdness. I, I agree yeah it's just so strange it's something like you'd never seen before like lord of the rings had just come out you know in 2001 the first lord of the rings film um you know there was a lot of like there was a resurgence of you know western high fantasy and i was familiar with that because i read a lot of fantasy more than anything you know in middle school and high school i was very familiar with western fantasy and western high fantasy and this was something completely different you show up at Sedanine, right and it's sort of like you know got buildings that are kind of medieval and you see like the imperial guard and he looks you know kind of medieval but kind of roman and there's all this stuff and you're in a swamp and then you're wandering around and you can go like you know anywhere so you may not go in this trajectory but i remember the first time i played you know i ended up going into um you know near pelagiad uh going towards balmora and there's all these giant mushrooms yep mushroom trees everywhere and i was like what mushrooms and it was just wild and then it just gets more wild from there because there's bug creatures and of course the dark elves are weird they have like this whole society the world building is deep oh yeah and then you know not to mention you know just big characters in the mythology and the you know the story the main story itself which we will don't worry we will talk about that in more depth later <laughs> this is um, just our impressions it, it just was <laughs> yeah it's it's, there's a lot. There's a lot. <laughs> it's just, and it was just so different. 
and it, it wasn't like I mean, and I liked Lord of the Rings, like I was into that, but this was something that just really caught me in a way that if it had just been, you know, normal high fantasy, normal Western high fantasy, it, it, it wouldn't have been I probably would have enjoyed it, but it wouldn't be have been nearly as interesting. Yeah. And you're right. It probably would have been still successful, but it wouldn't have been Kool-Aid man coming in yelling, "Ooh yeah, to the fun, uh, to the fantasy yeah. genre and basically yeah. making every game that was based on Lord of the Rings style fantasy look really bland in comparison. Yep. Even a kid who was not even into fantasy at the time. I mean, I kind of was. I watched Lord of the Rings too, but I wasn't huge into it. Yeah. But even I got sucked into Morrowind because it's just so damn weird. <laughs> like, it's... Yeah. It, it really feels like the developers had a very clear vision. And mm-hmm. that vision was probably if i mean it feels like it was based on a like a a spiritual trip aided by uh by some some recreational things <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's weird how people always bring that up that it's like wow this is like you know like some kind of like weird drug vision thing and um to my knowledge i don't know that that had anything to do with it <laughs> uh but i do know from uh the oral history of morrowind that uh they talked a lot about michael kirkbride's concept art you know, he was just kind of working on it. He was working on that while they were doing Redguard, I believe, mm. and was just like coming up with these ideas, you know, and and just almost getting more fixated on that than finishing Redguard, from what I understand from the article. Um, but they ended up like having this quote war room where they just had all of these sketches and all of these things like up that was just like that helped make the vision cohesive. Um, everyone just kind of like let his vision just kind of lead it where it was like okay cool and of course everybody you know working in tandem and stuff but that was just sort of it it has a very strong identity from before they were even really working on it of like what the aesthetic of the game would be and what it would look like and then how deep they got into the lore as they were lore, uh, you know world building and you know crafting everything to make everything make sense so it's not just weird for weirdness's sake. It's like, this is a weird place, but it's also functional. It's also weird. It's like you go around and you're like, um, if you've, what's the video? What do they eat? Um, <laughs> or you, you know, with environmental storytelling where it's like, you know, you're walking around and you, you know, we know what they eat. You know, there are all these farmers that are growing things um, that, and they supply the cities. You know, that's, that's what the Dunmar are eating. Don't mind me. I'm just farming here with them, stealing their food their stuff steals their food you know <laughs> like frees their slaves you know it's like it's like a whole thing but i it, it, yeah and it's it's very very strange but it's also very very real and i guess i mean real in the sense of it is a it, it, it has it's so deeply constructed with its world building and like how everything fits into everything else in that world that it, it feels real and you're just like, okay, cool, yeah, I understand. There are the three great houses, and they don't like each other for these reasons. And so I can understand these arguments. And then we have the Empire. The Empire is trying to do their imperialist best, <laughs> um, but dark, dark Elves aren't really having it. But also, like, there's the threat of the Empire that they just might steamroll them if they want to. Except that Morrowind has living gods. <laughs> that's something you know maybe they don't want to tangle with that so they want to be friends but you know it's an empire there's all this stuff in the background yeah it's like this beautiful tension and i'll take back the uh 
a peyote fuel fever dream. This is like coming in <laughs> like a hundred episodes into an anime where there's all this backstory already built up and you're just <laughs> dumped into episode a hundred and you're like, oh, this is weird. Yep. Uh, cool. I'd, cool. S- I'd say that's accurate. Yeah. yeah you're. <laughs> yeah. That's basically your your character is dumped there, and it's like okay, figure it out, and you're just like oh okay, and then like all the dark elves there are racist towards you, even if you are also a dark elf because you're not from around here, uh, you know we can tell <laughs> we don't like your kind around here. It's not even like that superficial like oh well you are a dark elf so you are welcome here. It's definitely not. They're like you don't talk like us, you don't dress like us. We can tell you're not from yeah. around here. We, we, we don't want you around here. Um, and then, of course, all of the other things. And then, like, you know, I, like I said, you know, the colonialism, imperialism of the empire going on at the same time, you know, the Dark Elves have had their, you know, slave empire for a while. Uh, and, and, of course, they're living gods and, like, you know, all of this, like, the contradictions about that. It's so damn um, weird like that, though. Like, yeah, colonialism is failing, too. Like, how do you colonize yeah. a place that they can just, like, talk to their gods and they'll drop a giant goddamn meteor on your army? You can't really, so you gotta try different paths, and it's just not working out for the Empire. Yep. <laughs> and that's yep. so weird. And you'll get used to everybody commenting on your clothes, good, bad, or ugly. Yep. That was something I didn't really catch when I first started playing, but when I was prepping for this podcast i uh was a very dapper wood elf and everybody's like oh i've never seen a wood elf dress so well what <laughs> right. I, I looted this this fine clothing off of this uh um yeah yeah they're, they're dead yeah <laughs> yeah they're dead now but uh the clothes i washed them uh you know, i did i did wash them. uh yeah I, like i think yesterday when i was um you know, just kind of like running around and exploring and just like, I meant, I meant to do like actual, like, I'm going to play some more of the story. And I just ended up wandering around and, you know, flying around and, and looking at things uh, because levitation is a thing and it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like, I walked into, I can't remember. Uh, it was just like some random, uh, I think it was like a house Telvani outpost. And I walked in and uh, one of the people there, like, you know, I came up to them to talk to them <laughs> and she like, seemed she, she just kind of like you know how like the models kind of like turn to you when you approach mm-hmm. them and she just like turned to me and said i wouldn't be caught dead in that outfit <laughs> and i was like i don't think i've ever been told that in my entire time playing this game and i felt really self-conscious i was like what am i wearing that's so bad hold up let me open my menu oh oh it was just an expensive robe. It wasn't an exquisite. Oh, okay. That, that makes more sense. Yeah, that, that, was the, that was the problem. But yeah, I was just like, man, <laughs> goodness. <laughs> and then you talk to them and the, the text is just completely irrelevant to what they said to you. And it's like, oh, oh welcome, traveler. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here to help. And it's like, bitch, you just insulted me. <laughs> Unless you're like, unless you've like first arrived on the island, in which case everyone's just mean to you. Like, what do you oh, want? Yeah. Except for unless they're like, except for like some of the shopkeepers. Oh, who's the guy that greets you and wants his ring back? Um, yeah, uh, Fargoth. Yeah, he'll he, be your friend. Yeah, Fargoth will be he's your friend. The only friendly guy. Only friendly person. <laughs> like at all. Basically, even the guards are like, "Yeah, get it, get out of here, you, you fucking prisoner." <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, yeah, get get moving. Yeah. <laughs> Good lord, and don't talk to ordinators. They're scary. Oh my god. <laughs> the ordinators in Vivek City are just like, oh my god, these guys. I, um, I have never had a chip develop on my shoulder so quickly about, I want to murder every single ordinator on this entire goddamn platform. Because <laughs> they're all just like looking down at you like, Oh, get get out of here! Yeah. You're you're trash. Get out of here, scum! And it's like, you know, I have enough yep, weapons they're... in my back pocket to turn you into putty. Yeah, it's like these these ordained cops that are just walking around. It's like, oh yeah, they, lord, they, they, <laughs> they they have the attitude of cops, but then they also have the holier than thou of priests, and it's really yeah, obnoxious. exactly. Yeah, it, exactly. Um, and for anyone who has happens to be listening, and if you are listening, hello, thank you. I'm so glad you're here. Um, for anyone who might be listening and, and has no idea what we're talking about, uh, the Ordinators are the Order of Guards that guard uh, the uh, holy city of Vivek, uh, where one of the living gods live. And they are just notoriously very angry so <laughs> all the time. <laughs> they, they, it doesn't matter how well known you are. It doesn't matter what good works you've done. They don't care. You're just scum. Get out of here. Um, <laughs> that's kind of their uh, opinion about you and it's it's something like you you get you just want to avoid them most of the I time. I mean avoid them or just also start a killing right. spree a la Grand Theft Auto? I mean either way. I mean well you know that's the beauty of the game that you can do that. <laughs> uh, also if you happen to like you know even if you just happen to find Ordinator armor if you put on their armor they will kill you. <laughs> Like, it just doesn't matter. You're wearing Ordinator armor, they will murder you. Uh, that's not okay. Only we get to wear those, jerk. <laughs> yeah, you're not, you're not part of the, you know, you're not part of the club. So, you know, just don't do that. It's the, a thing. The casual fantasy racism in it is so... I applaud the uh, developers for putting that in. Like, just so much casual racism. Just everybody's racist. And it's, it's... Everybody's racist. Yeah. And if you and if you play as a Khajiit or an Argonian, it's e- even worse because the uh, you know you're a slave race. The the the, the, the yeah the people the people of of Vardenfell and of Morrowind, you know, generally speaking, t- uh, look at the beast races as um, you know chattel. They're slave races as far as they're concerned, and that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh, it's uh, it's very uncomfortable <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Uh, and, and the game doesn't shy from that. Like the game knows that this is a terrible system and it's, it's awful. So if that's a trigger point for you and you haven't played this game, that, that is a thing that you will run into basically at any moment. So, uh, be warned there is, there is slavery in the game. Uh, there is a sub quest where you can free slaves and help them get to the twin lamps, which is the underground railroad, if you will, to try and help free slaves in Morrowind. Um, it's not a fully fleshed out quest line, though, unfortunately. It was one of those that I, I think just wasn't finished Yeah. Uh, by the time they were shipping the game. But it, there is there is that in there, uh, which is good, interesting. It makes you feel like you're doing something and, good uh, if you're an abolitionist. And you can also character. just go around trying to unlock every slave's bracers, because that's how they mm-hmm. are signified as slaves. Yep. That's always a fun challenge of trying to find the key, if there is a key. Yeah, sometimes there aren't keys, and that's really disappointing. Yeah, I th- honestly, I think if there were key, like a key available to every bracer, but you would have to figure it out, like kind of play detective, that would be an interesting 
side quest line sort of thing to do. But um, yeah, it's really funny to do. You're just like, yeah. oh, look, your slaves are working in the field. Oh, uh, they're not so much anymore. And they, they... <laughs> they're not working for you anymore. And they'll just stand there <laughs> casually. Yeah, yeah. This 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 wasn't a time where, you know, the, the models would just go walking off once you'd freed them. So you've got to use your imagination a little bit. And that's kind of the funny part about it, too. Like, there's all of this glorious world building with hundreds of thousands of pages dedicated to lore. And you can literally spend hours just reading books in a bookstore, which is really yep. funny to me that that's included. And then you run into like cases where you're like, oh, this doesn't make sense. Why are the slaves just standing there awkwardly? I freed them. Yeah. No, shoo. <laughs> nope. They'll never move. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where you know that that would be like a completely different system in a modern RPG where like you would have to worry about the overseers and the guards seeing you or whatever. Yeah. That's just not a, yeah, there's not as much of a thing here. <laughs> Like I said, you have to use your imagination a little bit, but you know it does does make you feel good that you're able to do that um, pretty much most of the time to f free the slaves. Or you know you could just do it the good old fashioned violent way and just you know kill kill the slave owners and <laughs> just call it a day. <laughs> call it a day. I did I did play one run where I wasn't playing the main quest and I just kind of like that was my mission because I hadn't been able to figure out the twin lamps quest. Mm. And so I decided that that was just going to be that playthrough, uh, which is where like the you could play this game however you want. And it's kind of a weird fantasy life sim where you could just be like, this is my character. This is their personality. And this is what they're going to do. And in that case, that character's quest was, you know, to, you know, be an abolitionist and free the slaves in Vardenvale. And uh, <laughs> it, it was interesting because that's where I learned that not all of them have keys. Uh, some of them you actually cannot free because there is not a key included in the game for you to free them and you know sometimes it's very difficult to find the key that you need without being caught so just why not just do murder yeah. it's fine <laughs> well i never actually tried uh casting unlock on a on a slave um does that work i don't believe it okay. works I, I i'm pretty sure that doesn't work uh you you need like it's uh, like lore wise it's just got a special key okay it, that would be convenient just to use magic and just be like pew 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 right run through the dren plantation just like and you're free and you're free and you're free <laughs> guards are like no we ain't having it, that and it's like ah, i'm running bad. away i'm taking this scroll of flight Whee! the magic yep. system in this game is uh, just bonkers the magic system in this game is bonkers and it's i i am just i know why we we've not seen anything like it like conceptually um, in like the later games, but I am very sad. Like levitation goes away for some good reasons in Oblivion and Skyrim, but like man, levitation's great. Like you just fly around. Yep. You can get to things. Like there's some verticality in some locations that like there are secrets that if you don't have levitation, you just won't find. Yep. Because you need to be able to levitate or use a rising force potion, which is basically a levitation potion. Uh, because levitation is fun. Levitation is great. <laughs> Uh, you could just fly into cities and then fly out of cities. Uh, you could fly out of combat if you want, except with cliff racers. Which you will find everywhere. Which, which are fucking everywhere, and they will they will hunt you down in the skies. Like <laughs> you have gone into their world once you're levitating. Yep. 
<laughs> for those that aren't familiar with uh, Cliff Racers, they are their um, Marwin's flying enemies. So like pterodactyl like almost. Uh, yeah, kind of like like bird 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 pterodactyl type things. Yeah, and this game is really bad about it. Like you'll hear. <laughs> You'll just be walking along and you'll suddenly hear the you're entering combat music and then you look around and there's nothing. And you're like, huh, that's weird. And then you keep going your merry way and then you look up and you see an entire <laughs> flock of cliff racers coming down really fucking slowly because pathfinding in the Z axis isn't exactly good in this game so you'll yes. just see like this giant thing that you've collected and you're like well i'm dead that's far yep. too many for me to deal with and i know <laughs> one of so them many. is diseased and it will inevitably give me a disease <laughs> crap or blight you know yeah. one of the two or both <laughs> yeah or both. or both you know yeah. should you be so lucky <laughs> yes um yes and uh every every time we have to encounter cliff racers we we you know think upon saint geob blessed be his name <laughs> and that for the future for the future cliff racers are you know <laughs> eliminated forever yeah, they, uh, <laughs> they, they were so numerous in this game that bethesda had to yeah. kill them off in the lore because they were yep. so <laughs> reviled they were, like nobody they were liked so, them. they were they were just everywhere. It it was it was wild, and they're just they're very very aggro. <laughs> Remember when we yeah. said this wasn't tested? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's one hmm. of the main ones. Like they hmm. uh, should this be really cranked up to eleven for spawning cliff racers? Yeah, maybe these smaller creatures shouldn't like spawn that often. Like even rats. There aren't as many like you know rats and uh, like um, quama foragers and other smaller enemies that spawn as much, or even medium-sized enemies that spawn as much as cliff racers. Yeah, <laughs> they're just everywhere. Yeah, and it's oh. incredibly annoying. Like you'll be in a tense fight yeah. outside of a like a temple or something, or like a what do you call them? The, the Daedric Shrine. There we go. Uh -huh. That's what I'm thinking yeah. of. And you'll yeah. just have barely finished off everything. You have like three hit points of life left. And then you hear the music hasn't stopped. You're like, oh, crap. And then just a random cliff racer. Hello. I'm not going to lie. That has uh, killed a lot of my runs. <laughs> yep. It's 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 like it happens so many times that if you play Morrowind a lot, you just know. And when you say Cliff Racer, you can hear the sound in the back of your mind. It's like a trauma response. <laughs> like, oh no, not again. You get flashbacks to the last time you were mobbed. <laughs> yep. Which, uh, you know, speaking of speaking of creatures in the world, you know, you have the Cliff Racers, like the weird bird pterodactyl weird things. Uh, and then you have all the bugs, like you have Nyx Hounds, which are basically quadruped bug things. They, uh, <laughs> they kind of look like Irish wolfhounds with the tentacle head. Insects. Like a tentacle yeah. head? I don't know. Yeah, really yeah they're like Irish wolfhounds if they were like, you know, bugs. Yeah. <laughs> Really uh, and then you have the the incredible silt striders, which are big enormous bugs that uh, act as a fast travel system, where you can ride them from. I mean, you have to have a mod if you're going to actually ride it, but like you talk to the person and then it's fast travel. You just go bloop from one town to another via 
Silt Strider. I really like the fast travel system in this because it's yeah. not free and it's not everywhere. Yep. That's brilliant. Yep. There's uh, the Silt Striders and then there's the Mages Guild. Um, and they both have the, and then the boats around the coast uh, you can sail around. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, and they all have their limitations and they're not free. Yeah. You could just, you have to pay if you want to go somewhere fast. Uh, otherwise, you're just hoofing it. Um, and where you run into cliff racers and Nixhounds and elites and guars and like kagoodies. Everything. And <laughs> everything. All of the things. And if you're in the Molag Armura region, region, then you're running into Daedra all the time. You know, Winged Twilight, Golden Saints, Ogrim. That, that person on the side of the road? Hunger. Could be a, uh, could be a bandit. Yep. Yeah. Uh, there are Ashlanders just, like, you know, camped out around the world, and some of them are not hostile, and some of them are hostile. And it's kind of like uh, a fun tension point, I think. Do I talk yeah. to you, or do I just try and run Are they friendly? You? You, you run up, like, are they friendly? And then they, like, you know, the bad, you know, the bad music starts playing, and you hear, you in And you're like, oh god, no. <laughs> Wait, you're not you're not even dark elf. Why are you calling me an Enwa? Yeah. yeah, it's like run away, run away. It's like very Monty Python that way. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, there's Or you go into a fight with something and you're like, aha, and you poke it and you hit it and it's like a fraction off of their health bar and they hit you and it's like three quarters of your health bar goes away and you're like, never mind! I didn't want to do this! I made a horrible mistake! Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I expected. Every ancient crypt. That's me. Every ancient yep. crypt. Oh god, bone walkers. Yeah, uh, and bone lords, and they could damage your strength, and then suddenly you're over encumbered, and you have zero strength, and you can't carry anything, everything, and you're just like, well, shit. Yeah. Uh, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna have to drop everything and run back to town because again, there's like no fast travel unless you have like a scroll of divine intervention or LCV intervention that will teleport you to a, uh, you know, imperial cult. Uh, uh, shrine or a, uh, a temple, respectively. Oh, that's what that uh, spell does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what it does. Yeah, that's what CV Intervention does. It teleports you to the temple, the nearest temple. Oh, I see. I've never used that. Yeah, because because is the tribunal. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. That is the word, and the word is CV. Uh, yeah. So that's what it does. Yeah. I. <laughs> now you know. I've never interacted with that. I saw the spell. I was yeah. like, cool. I would like gold for this scroll, please. And that's about like, it. I would like gold. Yeah, it's it's handy to have a couple of the divine and Omsimi intervention scrolls on you. Uh, just in case you get hit by a bone walker and you have to, like, drop all your shit. Uh. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... Uh. I, I don't really dive into the ancient crypts because of that. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of scary to do that. Um, scary, too, if you happen to come across a sixth house base it's like oh no i don't think i want to be here it's like, Haha, i'm in danger <laughs> accurate accurate <laughs> just like oh no uh then there's dwemer ruins uh and there's uh, quite a bit of lore about the dwemer which is to say we don't know a lot about the dwemer and that was like the dwarves they're like nominally yeah they're they're like the 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 reflex for 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 dwarves in this world um they're another kind of mare or elf if you will um also called the deep elves um and uh they they were like steampunk elves really they're like you know a very kind of like 
Mesopotamian looking dudes with, uh, you know, doing steampunky stuff, uh, I, big machines and whatnot. And then they just all disappeared one day. Uh, leaving all their damn inventions. In their yeah, rooms. they left everything behind, but they're gone except one guy. We'll talk about him next time. Very weird. Like the lore in this yeah. is, it's not like 40 K amount of lore, but for an RPG from 2002, <laughs> Just an insane yeah. amount of lore they put into this. And you can yeah. it, you can just not interact with any of it. Just yeah. none of it. Yeah, you can just not not care about it. Uh, I, and it, I think it was in the oral history of Morrowind uh, that they, they talked about how with Arena and Daggerfall, like there was lore, but it wasn't really connected. It was just people writing stuff down. And it was just sort of like, you know, these are the gods. Huzzah right like mm -hmm. and you know here here are the kings and queens of this era there you go you know it wasn't like a connected world it didn't have like the deep lore like you then see in morrowind and one of the projects for working on morrowind was making that lore cohesive in a way that made sense and made it seem like a living world that had a history both like actual history and like mythological history yeah I've never played Daggerfall, so I don't know, but apparently, like, it's just like, uh, and here's some stuff, and Dark Elves live in Morrowind. <laughs> that's all you get. That, that's that's it. That's all you need. That's all you need. Uh, go do some timed quests, okay? Like, <laughs> enjoy. Honestly, didn't try reading a whole lot of it in terms of the legion of books that they put into this uh, oh God, game. There are so many. But yes. one of my favorites that I just burst out laughing every time I see, because it's almost always in an inappropriate spot is the ABCs for barbarians. Yes. <laughs> just, just chef's kiss perfection. Cause it's like, yep. here you are in this really old crypt and you're like, Oh man, that was a hard fight. And this is the reward room and it's ABCs for barbarians. You're like, mm, yep. <laughs> thanks. Enjoy. Yes. <laughs> I appreciate um... you author. I'm gonna sell this book for two gold. <laughs> yeah, I it's probably it's probably very, very sad, but um I don't remember much of it anymore. But I for a while like remembered most of the thirty-six lessons of Vivek. <laughs> um which is like the Bible, if you will, of the world. Um, in a way. It's like the holy writings of the god king Vivek. Uh, anyway, I like read all of them. I went across the game looking for every single one because this was before there was like a, a real good wiki that you could go and read them on online you know if you couldn't find one in the game you just had to go find them and you found uh, all of them i found all of them Fuck. <laughs> i found all of them and read them all and uh and and i read them all and i kind of remembered a lot of them like it was it was fun to quote just like the absolute weirdest things out of there it was <laughs> very cool that's insane it was very cool and interesting but also just just what and it's also like at the time you know high school me you know doing all this and then whatever uh like got some of the references but didn't get all of the references so like you know now reading the 36 lessons of Vivek, it's like man <laughs> the depths of this it go it goes deep <laughs> it goes deep that's so fucking funny like yeah. you're you're playing this looking through all of the quest lines trying to find the 36 things for Vivek and I'm sitting here 
going through robbing every town blind <laughs> and trying to sell my stuff in the next town over so I don't get caught with this being a thief. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I started, I think my first playthrough, I was like this mage thief, right? And like, I just like, eventually I just was like, you know what? <laughs> I'm a historian now. <laughs> I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna learn the things. And read all of the books. Well, you basically find a book in everybody's house. Yep. <laughs> yep. Just. Yeah. Just books. Everybody's everywhere. got books. And I appreciate that. And I had a list of like books that I had, like that I'd taken back, you know, to my quote unquote house. <laughs> <laughs> and so that I could check if I found one. Like, do I have that one? Oh, I don't have that one. Okay. Yoink. It's mine now. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Bye bye. <laughs> Take it, taking it back to my house, quote-unquote, my house. Yeah, that was one of the things that Morrowind did that was really funny. Like, the NPCs couldn't go through doorways, like, into inner cells or outer cells, like they do in um, mm -hmm. Oblivion, and uh, I'm sure they do it in Skyrim, too. Yeah, they do it in Skyrim, yeah. So you would end up in this really hilarious situation where somebody chased you home, or back to a place that you were squatting in yeah because you could squat in like any house that was locked and it was really <laughs> funny because you would just be like oh it says at this person's house but i unlocked it so it's my house now because nobody <laughs> it's will my house go now in. and yep. you would forget that you were somebody was chasing you and you were just like organizing in this house that you claimed because the <laughs> owner will never come home and then you're like, okay, cool. I'm going to go adventuring again. Step out the door and there's just that same person that was chasing you. Yep. And you're like, ah. Yep, that's my preferred method for dealing with the uh, the uh, Dark Brotherhood dudes <laughs> that show up because of Tribunal. Uh, because, you know, they're not supposed to show up for a while, but um, they just show up when you're level one. Like, oh. if you have, you know, Tribunal enabled, if you have it installed, it just, like, they just show up. And if you're level one, like... They just could wipe the floor with you. It's it's a fight you know, for your life. It, it is a fight for your life. And it's not really intended to be that way. And there are mods that can, you know, fix this today so that, you know, you can either turn it off until you're ready or, you know, they they show up when you're a higher level. But yeah, it's like my preferred method of dealing with them is to like run, you know, either like sleep indoors and then run out and trap them in the house because <laughs> <laughs> so, they can't chase you. <laughs> you know? but then if you if if it was like you know caius's house like after caius has left um you know that's kind of sad because you may want to get back in there um <laughs> or you forget where you slept and you're like hey this is i remember sleeping here this is a good spot and you, there's <laughs> this is a good an spot. assassin waiting for you inside the assassin's waiting for you is like i've been waiting 46 days and seven hours and you're like oh no uh, <laughs> well, I'm going to go back through this door. Okay, bye. I'm just going to leave. Bye. Yeah, I in my most recent playthrough, I actually forgot that that was a thing that happened. And so, like, I got to Caius's house. Don't worry, we'll talk about Caius next time. He's important for the story. But he's an NPC you have to go talk to. And you can, like, share his house for a while. Uh, anyway, um, so I, like, slept over at his house. Um, and <laughs> the Dark Brotherhood spawned in. And I was like, oh, no, Caius, help me. And he just stood there looking at me. <laughs> I'm, like, fighting for my life. I'm like, what the hell kind of a test is this, Caius? Caius! <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny with the NPCs. I, was, I, I 
I thought for sure maybe there was some flag or something like with other NPCs sometimes like they'll help you if you're in a fight like guards are programmed to do this like if you drag in an enemy that they will fight that enemy uh, that's attacking you um, if you drag it into a city um, for the most part yeah. uh, but I thought like maybe like you know there was some flag for that for allies um, no Kaius just sits there and looks at you well, stands there. He just stands there and looks at you while you're fighting for your life with this Dark Brotherhood guy. And this is like this dead Dark Brotherhood dude on the floor. And I'm just like, you want to help me carry the body out? Like, <laughs> It's not on top of my skooma pipe. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, okay, can I be advanced in the blades now? Like, <laughs> You saw me fight this dude. I, I fought, like, and, and in fact, too, like, sometimes it's like, look, I fought four Dark Brotherhood guys, okay? Like, Kaius is like, well, maybe you should just go talk to that guy at Eberthart, like your your journal says. And it's like, yeah, well, I haven't been to the south of Vardenfell yet. I was busy fighting for my life. I was busy. <laughs> oh my god, that brought up one of the funny things that ended up happening on my last playthrough. At some point in the story, people will just approach you in, the, in town and just start spouting weird stuff at you. It's plot related, so I'm not going into it. But if yep, you we'll talk about it later, <laughs> if you just ask them what they're talking about too much, their uh, attitude towards you will be like very hostile. So you can basically aggro them into combat. And if you aggro somebody into combat like that, um, the guards will not intervene. So in this uh, playthrough, I ended up having one of my uh, one of my characters running through Balmora and this guy would that I just aggroed into combat was chasing me everywhere. And it was so funny to me because I ended up just like using the houses as hiding spots from this uh, character and then like running house to house, trying to avoid him. And at some point I was like, I need my hand to hand combat up. And it turned into a <laughs> uh, fight club of Balmora and oh, just boy. comedy gold. Cause like I would just come out like, fully refreshed full stamina and just start wailing on this guy as he was wailing on me and just a guard casually walking by he says yeah, hi how you doing walks fine. by just good day citizen yeah, uh, brawl happening in the street like the entire town was our our battleground and just nobody cared nobody cared so funny so many weird bizarre things happen in this game it's hand-to-hand -hand is um you know speaking of mechanics um some skills uh aren't they they aren't very good no and they don't really work how you would think they would work and hand-to-hand -hand is one of those it's like amazing if you can survive long enough to level it to a high level i recommend uh aggroing somebody in their house and then yeah. using them as your uh sparring partner 10 out of 10 you both yep. get a rest yep. when you get out the door. <laughs> yeah, that's like the thing with the, um, you know, uh, fatigue system is, y you know, it's it's called fatigue and not stamina, but it, it should be called stamina because it's very, it's it sounds backwards when you say that. But, you know, your green bar, your green bar is your stamina, a.k.a. fatigue. And your fatigue affects, like, how, how like, if you can hit somebody and how hard you hit them. Which, you know, makes sense. It feels kind of for realsies, except that, you know, you, you know, take down your fatigue and it don't just come back, you mm -hmm. know, like it does in later games. 
Um, and it can be really terrible if you get into combat and your fatigue is low because you'll never get it to come back unless you have a potion or something. And you're just going to get wailed on real hard. Uh, people can knock you down if your fatigue is low. So if you run into an NPC that has very high hand-to-hand, -hand, it is not fun <laughs> because they will knock you down. And as soon as you're on the ground, that's when they're doing physical damage to yeah. you. Because they're only damaging your fatigue until they knock you down, and then they can do physical damage, and it's, like, just precipitous. Like, it's basically a stun lock, and you're dead. It's so funny. Like, I'm sorry, it's so funny to me. Like, hand-to-hand -hand is such a broken thing in this game. It's... Like, it. it's broken one way at low levels, mm -hmm. where you can't level it up without a trainer, and yep. on the high levels, you're a kung fu master beating the crap out of everything hand-to-hand -hand style including the wildlife which is just fucking funny watching this giant floating uh like <laughs> jellyfish uh -huh. thing just wailing uh -huh. on it to the point where it falls down because you took its fatigue out and then you're just punching it while it's down it's so weird yep. that's the bizarreness of that just mm, so I, uh, cool. my my most recent character that I was kind of using to like just mess around with, uh, I rolled specifically to see if I could be, you know, one punch man or well, in the case of this character, one punch woman. Uh, and I used, I used console commands to like increase, like to be like, how high does the skill have to be to basically be one punch man? And the answer is um, you can't be one punch man because you have to take the fatigue bar down first before you do physical. So you're just basically two punch man, <laughs> but it's like, <laughs> You just punch, and they fall on the ground, and then you punch, and then they're dead. And it's hilarious. <laughs> that's that's brilliant. It's it's just the weirdest thing. Uh, sneak doesn't work very well. I've never been able to get it to work. I, I think there are probably mods that fix that. Um, but, you know, Vanilla vanilla Morrowind cannot get Sneak to work. It It's just not very good. It's terrible. Um, it is usable. Because one of the favorite things I did as a when I first came out uh -huh. was sneak around stealing everything that wasn't nailed down. Right. You have to have a high level of sneak for it to be worth anything. And mm. one of the things about sneak is you level it up by being in sneak mode and moving. And uh huh. Yeah. Like other games. Yeah. Which <laughs> except <laughs> makes sense, but they didn't include like a you have to be moving any distance so you could literally yeah. sneak in a corner like a crazy person and after leaving it there for i don't know maybe a couple hours you're super highly level sneak and you can literally crouch in front of people and steal their pants so <laughs> not that i've done that from experience or anything <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's a that's amazing. I've never like tried to mess with sneak legitimately enough to get it to really to really work for me. Speechcraft is another one that I feel like I I I I haven't liked the mini game things that come after Morrowind, like you know. But Speechcraft in Morrowind is kind of a not a great skill. Uh, it it's very inconsistent. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense, and it kind of ends up being like completely redundant after you have a certain amount of gold because you're just like yeah hey, you just pay them gold here's gold yeah. like me <laughs> 
Yeah, it works. It works a little bit like the mini games, except like because in the mini games of the other ones, it's just like give them gold, like an oblivion. It's like I don't want to play this game. Just I'll give them gold. Like like me better and answer my questions, please. <laughs> yeah, I never really figured out what you were supposed to do with speechcraft beyond randomly insulting people, which is I mean, yeah, r- randomly insult them so that you don't get in trouble for attacking someone if you have a quest where you need to kill someone. <laughs> that was literally the only thing I ever remember seeing level up for speechcraft was just constantly yeah. shit talking somebody in a bar like i think if you have like high charisma and high speechcraft skill like you know you could use the other ones without you know it, it more effectively but i i don't know i've never legitimately been able to do it, it it's very it's very silly it's half-baked um <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those that it's like, this needs a little bit more time, but that's okay. Uh, you know, you don't have to use it. Um, you, could, you can use something else if you want to. But speaking of taunting people to kill them, if you have a quest to kill somebody, cool. The, uh, what are they called? The guilds, the, the different faction, guild factions, mm. uh, if you will. Because there isn't the Dark Brotherhood, which shows up in later games, but you have the Morag Tong, who is the basically the Morrowind equivalent of the Dark Brotherhood. They're totally different, by the way, just to be clear. like Yeah, it's not anything secret. Uh, I, I have to say that before they show up and tell me, look, don't, don't compare us to them. We're totally different. But uh, that's like your Assassin's Guild where you get a writ. But the cool thing about the Morag Tong is that there's a whole system in the world of the game where like if you have a writ from the guild that you're going to kill somebody like you can kill them in broad daylight and then just show the guards the writ and they go oh well okay <laughs> i guess we can't do anything about this yeah they're like the mafia <laughs> like you're just yeah we're just gonna <laughs> just just go whack that guy and you're like i i got the orders see whacked oh okay well, nothing we can do now uh, <laughs> So that that's that's always a fun guild. Uh, you have your thieves guild and your fighters guild and your mages guild. You also have the temple. You could join the tribunal temple. There is also the imperial legion and the imperial cult, which are two separate things, right? Two separate things. Yeah, they're two separate factions. Uh, but they're you know pretty intermediate imperials. <laughs> yeah, and they're you know the, the imperial factions. Uh, the tribunal temple is obviously the temple. Serve the living gods. What am I missing? I feel like I'm missing. Oh, one. there's. There's a whole lot of factions in this game. Yeah, there's a there's a bunch of stuff, and um, and it's kind of interesting because like you know the quest lines tend to lead to, you know, you've done all the things, and now like the headmaster wants to retire, you know, or the guildmaster wants to retire or something, or you kill them. I don't know. It depends on the quest. Uh, but then you're like in charge, right? Like that that is the trajectory. But unlike other games. I don't think that you can complete all of and be like the head of all the guilds in Morrowind. Like I know that like the Fighters Guild and the Thieves Guild, um, if you're part of both of them, there is a quest that like you either you have to choose. Yeah. Because you're going to break the rules for one if you try and complete the quest. So there's things like that, which I think is cool. You know, it's neat in later games to be like, oh, I'm just going to be the head of the Mages Guild and the Fighters Guild and the everything, but it, it feels a bit more reasonable to be like you could pick maybe two yeah and, and those are your factions right or you know you only really have the time to do one uh, because your advancement has to do with your skill levels mm-hmm. and different different guilds require different skill levels and different skills so maybe like one faction like two factions might have similar skills so you can like do both of them but the other ones you know would be totally different so you may not advance as fast so and 
I think it's neat. And it's kind of, this is going to sound really sacrosanct at this point, but it's brave of them to do that intentionally. Like, mm-hmm. you can't be everything all at once. And yeah. they went away from that with, like, every game afterwards. Which, yeah, I get you don't want to lock people out of content, especially if they're only going to do one playthrough of your game. But at the same time, I feel like Morrowind does it a little bit better because the world feels more alive when you talk Mm -hmm. to people when there's like, oh, yeah, remember, you're 100 episodes into this anime and these people have some history that you just can't stomp over and be like, no, I'm the boss now. And that's that feels more right in terms of like yeah. a world like you're not going to be the boss of everything yeah and feels yeah just feels better i agree i agree and it's also um i, I think it opens not everybody is going to be a kind of role player type character uh, i mean a role player type person like your mileage may vary but if you are kind of a role player like it it gives the game more replayability because you know that you can craft a character to go in a certain direction And that you don't have to worry about, like, oh, I just have to get through all of the content. Like, no, you're not going to get through all of the content at once. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That doesn't feel reasonable to expect uh, or even believe that you can do. Maybe you can. I I don't think so. So you could just be like, well, this is my character and they're going to be a fighter's guild guy. And I'm going to do the fighter's guild, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you can do that. You can ignore the main quest. Like, you just blitz through the main quest and then be like, I'm going to do something else now. Or roll a new character. And, And I think that helps when you can't just, you know, the game doesn't really want you to just be everything all at once yeah that it wants you to kind of engage in a different way than you do in later games and another one that you can't you can only pick one are the great houses which is house lalu house telvani and house ritterin yep which are the the great houses of the dunmer and you pick one or you could pick none you don't have to be a part of the great house but if you want to you could be one of the great houses yeah and there's some interesting consequences for that but we'll talk about that in uh story time Yep, that's more that's more story related because it does bear on the main uh, story. But those are those are other factions you can join and do quests for and advance in. Let's see other things in the world. Daedric quests they exist. I actually was like very recently realized that there were Daedric quests in Morrowind. <laughs> I thought that was an Oblivion thing uh, because you just find them in Oblivion. <laughs> Yep. I never found one in Morrowind. I, all of my exploring, I never found a Daedric Shrine. That's funny. I think I found one. I was watching someone's Let's Play, and they found a Daedric Shrine, and I was like, wait a minute. Morrowind, Morrowind has Daedric Shrines? How have I never found one? Which, again, so dense with content. So much stuff. But yes, Daedric Shrine... Uh, I've not done one of the Daedric quests in, uh, in, in Morrowind in, in my playthrough. I have, I've not yet come across one. Uh, and I haven't done a game where I am specifically going and looking for them yet. So. You're going to have to roll up a new uh, character. <laughs> you've got to roll up a new character. I mean, I, yeah, just roll up all of the new characters. Uh, let's see. What, uh, what other things um, are uh, have we not talked about with this sort of thing? Um, I'm um, not really talking about any of the expansions because those are beyond the scope of this for now. Yeah, <laughs> like, it, it was a lot. Yeah, we're mostly going to be... I will probably be referencing a little bit to Tribunal and Blood Moon, but uh, mostly we're talking about the base game. And, because if you think the base game is dense with content, both of the expansions are dense with content yep. for what they are. It is amazing how much stuff there is. 
So in story time, I'll probably just kind of like touch on the story of those two, but uh, mostly we're just talking about the base game yep. to try and like keep it reasonable. Otherwise, we'll be here for years. I, I don't know how many hours. Years. We'll be here for years. Um, just talking about one I'm game. I'm happy to do that. <laughs> yeah, just talking about the one game. You can be a vampire in Morrowind, but that's not a fun experience. Uh, you probably don't want to do that. It's <laughs> they, terrible. <laughs> it's... It's, I actually, I, I like it because it feels like it fits for if, if you are going to be a vampire, like it's going to be a hard life for you. People can tell you're a vampire. You can't go out in the sunlight and you know, all of this stuff. And so like, you just have to play very carefully. Um, and I think that that's neat because I think that that's very, that's like a, 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 uh, how would I put it? There's a lot of conviction there. It's, you know, just that is the concept. And we are just going to hold to that rather than like making it easy for a player to play a vampire, which I think is what happened in, you know, later games, especially Skyrim. Yeah. But we're not talking about Skyrim. Yeah. It is rough. I, I have tried a vampire playthrough and I, and I was doing it on purpose. And like, I actually like looked at a guide to be like, you know, what skills should I set to <laughs> be an optimal vampire character and it was just rough it's it's a rough playthrough to do and i appreciate that they held to that and decided you know what if you're going to be a vampire it's going to be hard but that's like a whole like subset of content that is like interesting that basically nobody's going to see like very few people are going to see any vampire content yeah because it's so punishing like really punishing you your health just tanks when you're outside and oh it yep, wasn't you're dead. quite sunrise yet but there was enough light to do it for you and yep, uh, and you're dead and you can't talk to like most of the uh vendors because they're like oh god you're a vampire get yep. the fuck away from me it's yep it's a hard knock they life. yell at you yeah mm. yeah yeah most vendor i think the only vendor that will talk to you is uh creeper the scamp in <laughs> calder yeah <Now> <laughs> i literally had to go back like hours when i accidentally got infected um by yep. it i was a little little yeah. too spelunking <laughs> yep it's rough i love that it's there in the game and it's something that i'd like to do like a full vampire playthrough but boy is it it's hard yeah it is not easy very punishing like you said one thing i do want to bring up yes. this is kind of a segue but um the music the music in this <gasps> is oh my amazing God. and it's yeah. orchestral very much so and it doesn't like play all the time but when it does play it feels right like yeah the game really knows when to play the music and when to hold it yeah and i just appreciate it when games don't have music playing all the time unless it's like yeah. i don't know like a doom style game where it's just going to be action the entire time and this is right it. yeah the music is absolutely beautiful it's just really good stuff and you know it like the soundtrack is probably like rent free in my brain all the time now it's just like wow um the main theme plays and i'm like oh dear oh with the with the drum beat at the beginning that sounds like a heart which is thematic and we'll talk about that in part two. Oh yeah uh, yeah it's such good either music. either people are gonna otherwise either people are gonna be excited for part two or they're gonna be like oh christ part two what are you talking about <laughs> what's no, what are they gonna even talk about in the third part oh we we could talk more than oh. three episodes we're limiting ourselves oh yeah 
uh, th- th- being that this was kind of my baby, Chandler was like, you know what? Um, you just decide. You decide what's going to be best. And my initial outline would have been like six episodes. And I'm like, that is too many episodes. <laughs> I'm like, that's that's too much. We got to we got to shave that down. And three is a good number. And also the tribunal. Um, Sylvie is it's <laughs> many diegetic reasons for that. <laughs> yes, there's lots of three is a good number. OK, it's a triangle is a very strong shape. It has a very balanced base. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, goodness. And also jumping off of the music, which is wonderful. And I listen to it even outside of the game mm-hmm. just to have on. It's just very comforting. Uh, my alarm is one of the tracks That's amazing. from the soundtrack because it's like not too bombastic, but like it's enough that like as an alarm, it works or it's like, Oh, and then of course it's something I like. And so if you have an alarm, it's better to have something you like. I think your mileage may vary, but we're not talking about alarms. <laughs> anyway, sound design. I f- did an experiment. I was, I was trying to make a video that didn't work rip this video idea but i turned off the music in the game and just left on the ambient sounds and boy howdy are they great oh yeah like really like deep soundscapes in all of the different locations on vardenfell i was amazed i like i knew that there was like ambient sounds and stuff but like i'd never heard them like fully because there was usually music playing but man some of them are creepy like some of the places in the ashlands with like the wind whistling between the uh the foyotas and and the stones and like rocks falling in the distance and the gurgling of the mud pits i'm like what yeah oh my gosh unsung heroes the sound design people (laughs) well done yeah if you happen to be listening which you're probably not but just well done everybody (laughs) like yeah the the soundscape of this is extremely rich It's, this is going to sound weird, but it's almost up to um, the original Thief levels of soundscape, Mm. which the entire point of Thief was to be able to play the game with audio so you could tell where everybody was. This game doesn't have Mm -hmm. that, but it has the same rich tapestry for music. Yeah. They didn't need to have it. They have the music. They could add a couple ribbits and whatnot and make it feel ambient, but... No, they went they yeah. went whole hog on it. It's amazing. Yeah, they went they went yeah, they went whole hog. That is a good way to describe it cuz it's just like, man, this this is like a really deep soundscape. What? Yeah. It's amazing. Just ludicrous. Um, it, even some of the some of the sounds that are uh, so like in some places you can hear the mournful cry of the silt strider, especially if you're nearby a silt strider, that's how we know it's a silt strider. It's that that kind of sound. Almost like a right? whale. Yeah, it's like a whale. It's beautiful. Um, very mournful sounding, and I love it. Um, and then there's like, I can't remember what areas it is. Um, I'm I'm a bad lord nerd for not remembering, but there's like some areas where there's like a weird goat noise. It's like just randomly like, bah! in the background, but there's no goats. Oh, I th- like there's no goats in Vardenfell. I think that's in the, um, by the plantations. Yeah, it's just the weirdest like kind of sound where it's like you never see any goats, but you have this weird goat noise and you're like, okay. I know I'm in a farming area, apparently. I guess I'm, I'm in the grasslands. It's all good. Like, there's the... Alrighty. It's it's good stuff. But the... Yeah, sound design. Very good. Real real good. Real good. Uh, the creepiness of the Dwemer ruins with all of the creaking and clanking of the machines. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Thanks. I hate it. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> See, that didn't bother me as much, but by the time Morrowind came out, I w- had already played through uh, Thief multiple times. So, like, right, yeah. Steampunk darkness and kind of like mild yeah. horror was already in my lexicon. So I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. This isn't quite yeah. as bad, but I can't sneak as well. <laughs> oh. yeah i don't it's not like it's like super scary it's just there's something like to me like something just very and i guess too because of the associations with the lore around the dwemer it just feels haunted Mm. just with the machines running for so long after their masters have disappeared it's just weird oh no (laughs) it's cool i love it um yeah there's a lot there's a lot to like about this game if you can get past the yeah really mediocre combat yeah it's really something you can dig into for a long time yeah it is it's hard compared to modern games in the sense that there's just a lot of quality of life stuff that we enjoy now in rpgs that just isn't there part of that is the janky combat and the weird journal and it just things hit you know you go out in the world and then you die like it's gonna happen a and it's lot. and it's not like it, it's not like it's part of the, that's not part of the game loop like it is in dark souls where like you know you you play dark souls and you know you're gonna go out there you're just you're gonna die you, you, you're gonna leave the opening area of elden ring and you're gonna run into uh the sentinel knight that's riding around there and you're just gonna die and you're just gonna die and that's the game you know and that's the game in morrowind but it, it just isn't like that's not necessarily maybe the intended way to like make you save scum like that mm-hmm. because it's hard i think one of the quotes in the again i'm quoting the oral history of morrowind one of the developers said that the game is just really hard and you know you could play it now but it's just there are so many things that you know we enjoy now in in video games that it's glaring like it stands out that that doesn't exist that there's no quest markers that you know (laughs) you have to rely on npc directions Mm -hmm. Uh, there's no compass to tell you which way you're going I, um you know things like that there is kind of a compass but you have to look in your inventory y- you have to like open the map and then look at the way that the arrow indicating your location on the map and like which direction it's pointing yeah it's like it's <laughs> not just easily accessible while you're moving yeah it and it's and it's not like and if you're directionally challenged like yours truly you're going to go in there and you're going to be like yes okay i'm going west and you're actually going east <laughs> the um, entire time <laughs> the, yeah just if I, I don't know why. I don't know why this happens. It happens, it even happens in other games, but in Morrowind it happens a lot just because like there's nothing to tell me like, dummy, you're going the wrong direction. You think you're going the right direction, but you're wrong. Somehow I'm on the West Coast again. Damn it. <laughs> it's like I, I, I wound up back where I started. <laughs> yeah, there's, a, there's a lot of niceties that just aren't in this game. Yeah. And I think that's what makes yeah. it so special. Like, yeah, I agree. If it had... A lot of the niceties that Skyrim has of like organization mm-hmm. of the journal or any of the things that yeah. don't force you to slow down and think or contemplate or anything like that, mm-hmm. it would be a worse game for it. And yeah, maybe that's why I bounced off of Skyrim. I don't know. But yeah, like Marwind forces you to slow down and be like contemplate everything there is voice acting in this game and you will hear the same five voice actors (laughs) across all of morrowind and you'll hear them across oblivion too because they brought the same voice actors back it's kind of funny i enjoy it (laughs) 
But if you want any in-depth conversation, you aren't hearing them, hearing voice actors talk about it. You're reading it. You, you want to get those plot points. You have to read it. You want to know which yeah. direction you're going. You have to stop and look at your map. It's, mm-hmm. it's that expectation that you're going to be competent enough to do these basic things to get around this world. It's not yeah. giving them to you. It's expecting from you. And if you mm-hmm. don't, like, if you don't want to engage with that, sure, you can just wander around and remember most of the locations, but you're not going to have that same basic control, like, not really control, but like reference point. Right. And I think that's what makes this game so good because mm-hmm. it just demands it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think we'll probably have a lot more to say about that in part three, because I think there's a lot to talk about with you know, comparing Morrowind uh, to Oblivion and Skyrim and like what those games did differently. And, you know, everybody, you know, your experience of art is going to be, and entertainment generally is going to be subjective. But, you know, I I think Morrowind has a lot more strengths than weaknesses compared to the other things. So that'll that'll be in part three. So if you want to hear that discussion, that's where it'll be. Look forward to that one. Um, (laughs) Yeah, look forward to that. But I, I, I agree there's a lot of personality to it. And, and the cool thing too, it, I brought this up before is that how, you know, if you want to understand the story and you kind of, you want to understand what you're doing and everything, like not only do you have to read dialogue, but you have to read all of this other material in the game, but the game doesn't force you to do that. You can choose to just, okay, whatever. I have to go to this thing and I have to click through the text and I have to go here and then I fought the bad guy and I won the end, right? You could do that. The game doesn't punish you for that. But if you're the kind of person who wants a deeper understanding, you know, a deeper connection with what's going on, you know, you do have to like kind of stop and think and remember things if you pass it in the world, right? Where it's like you might see a name of a, a location, which you can tell by the names, like if it's a Velothi name or an Ashlander name or something. It's very cool. Love that about the world building. Ah, um, <laughs> I stayed in one zone, so I didn't notice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, damn. Uh, but you might, you might see like the name of a location and be like, huh, that's a weird word. And then like you just happen to talk to someone who has a quest and they're like, oh, you need to go to this place. And you're like, oh, wait, I've seen that before. Like, I, I don't remember where I was, but I, you know, I remember seeing that. Um, over in that area that they're talking about and and things like that which is uh pretty cool and it it just invites you into it like if you are even mildly interested in lore rich games this is just so good yeah if if you are someone if you haven't somehow played this game and you are into games that have a lot of lore and a lot of things to dig into especially if you're into lore that has ambiguity like, if you are, like, a real, like, quote, a real historian, like, you know, but I mean, you know, someone who studies history who knows that, like, there are going to be gaps in your knowledge and there are going to be conflicting stories and there are going to be conflicting resources, like resources, like uh, pr- uh, sources, like primary texts and stuff, right? Um, if, you, if, if, if that's a thing that you like in your lore, you're going to love this mm-hmm. because all of everything, and we will get more into this in part two, but, you know, here's your little teaser everything is contradictory there's just so much here that's not just like you know world building in general or like world building for like you know morrowind itself but like just all of the myth the main story the the game allows you to interpret the main story how you want to interpret it yep 
it, it doesn't hold your hand and say, you are the hero, you are the person who was important and do things, wait for more about that in part three. You know, it, it says like, uh, you know, here's the information and you can do with that what you will. Yeah, it doesn't even really hint that you're even one of the important people in this story until like you're almost out of quests in Balmora to begin with. Like, yeah, you go through your first yeah. city and you're like, oh, well, welcome, adventurer. This is all you get. Yeah, you're just a person, you know, doing stuff like you don't even really know why you're there yeah you're just doing you're just you're just doing a job and the kind of the understanding of the story at that point is like you know you're doing a job and this is better than being in prison yep you know it's oh it's gonna be so cool to talk about that oh, i don't want to get ahead of myself well oh, it's so good <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna but, wrap uh, this up then because if we don't we're gonna, just gonna start going into that and uh I know, I know. Yeah. Well, do you have anything else you want to talk about with um, impressions about the game itself, its setting, you know, mechanics, anything that we may not have already touched? I mean, on? there's there's a lot of crunchy mechanics in this. Obviously, we only like lightly touched on everything, but if you're into like crunchy style games with like deep engaging mechanics that are sometimes inscrutable, mm so good like there's a lot to get into but it's a lot of stuff that they also carry over so i'll probably talk about it there too so yeah just a very good game i can highly recommend i am biased uh <laughs> it is my favorite game it is it is my number one if i had a top 10 list which i don't have because i haven't made it it would be number one um <laughs> nothing yet has dethroned it <laughs> and i suspect that that nothing probably will just because it's one of those games that is just so important to me that it's going to be in that number one slot. I mean, but you know, I, I haven't lived my whole life yet. We haven't seen what video games can do. Maybe, maybe there will be a contender for the throne eventually. But for now, Morrowind is great. I recommend it. If you haven't played it, it, it it's dated in some ways, but there's just really, I think, a lot there to like, especially if you are more roleplay minded, if you like deep lore. Mm. Uh, and you like kind of exploring things and fighting things out and just like, you know, living the adventurer life and wandering around a weird island populated with lots and lots of bug creatures. It's really weird. Like, <laughs> Fever Dream is accurate yeah. description, I think. Yeah. And if you haven't played this and you're tired of like the Western high fantasy RPG, like give it a shot. It, it's weird. It's different. Worst case scenario, you find some interesting scrolls. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, I'm not... <laughs> you get hit by a bone walker and have no strength and have to walk back to town naked. Yeah, it... It doesn't hold your hand. And yeah. the world invites you to engage with it. So, yeah, highly recommend. Look forward to part two and part three uh, coming sometime. Uh, but for now... Uh, where can people find you, Chandler, on the interwebs? Uh, well, people can find me, uh, doing game development stuff. If you haven't listened to some of the side quests, I do those, uh, when we are, you know, knee deep in a, an RPG that demands a lot of time from us. <laughs> but I also hang out on Twitter in the game developer circles there as at JC Siron, J-C-S-I-R-R-O-N. Um, if there's anything that you wanted to comment on for the podcast or comment on it for like any of the games I design, 
reach out to me there. I'm always uh, happy to have a fun conversation. How about you, Devin? Fun com. Uh, oh, oh! I was gonna say fun conversations are fun. Uh, I am currently a lurky cryptid on the internet. Um, I'm not really active on my socials or Twitch or anything right now, but you can find me if you want to. I am at Merrowird, M-E-R-E-W-Y-R-D, on both Twitter and Twitch. Yeah, like I said, I'm lurky. I'm just kind of you know hanging out in my cave right now, but. Uh, you know, life's rough, uh, which is also why uh, Tom wasn't able to join us tonight, because uh, as we're recording this, uh, he's had a real rough time lately. Just life, life's hard, and we understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, and, and that said, life is hard, and it is okay to reach out to somebody if you need help. Your mental health and your well-being is important. Uh, and if you've gotten this far in the podcast, we appreciate you, and we would like you to stay around and listen to the others and as Chandler said you know you can you know talk to us about this or any other podcast that we've done if you have a game recommendation just let us oh, know oh yeah especially if you have a game recommendation that could be really funny oh yeah we <laughs> we live for those well currently we're just recommending things to each other um, <laughs> or, or if we come across something um, but yeah so with that I guess we will leave you for now until part two of our Morrowind tripartite special. Uh, (laughs) And until then, we have been the Adventure Mechanics. I'm Devin. And I'm Chandler. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Oh, that's so weird. Was that good? Did we do good? I I love it. It was just so weird not being in the driver's seat. (laughs)